Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be able to get to spend this time together with you. Um, I want you to take a minute and, and make sure you got your Bible. Get, get your Bible out and maybe get a notebook, a pen, you know, something, something to write with and write on. And um, today is going to be a good day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Um, miss you guys. Uh, miss seeing you. I can't wait till we, we get to fellowship again. And, and, and I believe it's coming soon. I believe we'll be, we'll be back together and we're just going to trust the Lord and, and believe him. And, um, I want to tell you something before we jump into the word on this Palm Sunday is uh, many of you have received an email uh, from me about what we're going to be doing during this uh, resurrection Easter season, what the what the Lord really spoke to me about what we need to do um, when I sought him in prayer about it. And so if you did not receive that email and you would like to be on the, the email mailing list, then just, uh, you know, share your information, just your email address uh, at info at facecenter.tv and just let them know, hey, I want to be put on the list and, and, uh, and you know, share your name and, and that kind of stuff and, and your email address. And, and we'll, we'll keep you updated with all the different things that, that you know, are happening. And also, um, I'm going to speak a little more to what God shared with me uh, about this, what we're going to be doing, not just practically, but supernaturally, what we're going to press into and believe God for during this season. Um, and regardless what happens, if we start meeting next week publicly again, we're still going to do the thing that I believe God said. And so tonight at 7 p.m., uh, I'm going to do a specific Facebook Live just to focus on that. So tonight at 7 p.m., I'll be coming on Facebook Live and just doing a, uh, just sharing with you what God shared with me about what we are to do as a church family during this next season. I don't want to take the time to do that this morning. I want it to be its own thing. That's why I'm doing it at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, to, this morning, I want to open, I want you to get your Bible and I want you to open up um, in Matthew chapter 21. It's Palm Sunday. Um, the, the, and which is a whole bunch of stuff biblically, a whole bunch of amazing things that happened. Um, and I want to continue to talk about the revelation knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, but I want to tie it into to Palm Sunday and, and see how, just let some stuff jump off the page at us. So I hope you're doing well. I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into the word in Matthew chapter 21. So Father, we just give you thanks. We give you praise, God. We honor you. We speak peace over this house and every single house represented. Father, give us ears to hear. Help your word leap off the page into our hearts and our minds. Give us a hunger and an appetite for your word, God, that we may just grow and we may be strengthened, God, and you may empower your people according to your word. You may revive us according to your word. And we just trust you, God, and we honor you. And we thank you for your goodness in our life. You reign. You reign, God. And so, Father, we pray that you help us stay focused and stay ready and stay hungry. Because man does not uh, feed on and live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So help us to receive today in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 21, and this is Palm Sunday, and it's talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city. And there's lots we could talk about that, that this time period leads into Passover, leads into the crucifixion of Jesus, then to the resurrection, leads to all kinds of stuff um, into what's called the passion of the Christ. And, and But this morning, let's start in Matthew 21. Uh, verse one is where we'll start. So when you got it, say got it. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt uh, with, her, with her, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say to them, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, and this is now quoting from Zechariah chapter 9. If you've never read Zechariah chapter 9, go back and read that. It's an amazing section of scripture. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, before we go further, I'm just going to kind of interrupt us along the way is, is Zion. When you see Zion in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, and you interpret the Bible with the Bible, Zion always represents the church, always represents the church. Uh, uh, prophetically speaking, that's what, that's what it represents. So he's talking about, you know, the, the church, the, 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 the kingdom of the Lord and, and his church. So verse six, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good idea to do. Verse seven, they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Uh, others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna uh, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So, so the multitudes said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, I want to I stop right here before we finish this chapter, because um, I want to I jump into the revelation knowledge aspect that we've been talking about. We've been we've we've looked at uh, what Paul said in, in Ephesians about praying in chapter one, that we would have wisdom and a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. So revelation knowledge is, is something that's uncovered, something that was hidden. It was there, but it was hidden and it is now being revealed to you. Like, like right now, uh, my, my Bible is sitting in my lap, but based on your perspective and your, your sight, you can't see my Bible. At least I, I don't think you can see my Bible, but so, but just because you can't see my Bible does not mean it does not exist. It absolutely exists. And so what revelation is, is taking something that exists, but is hidden from your sight and it's lifting it up, bringing it into your perspective. And then we can go deeper with revelation. It's not just showing it to you. I can begin to read it to you and then not just reading it to you and, and continuing to unveil stuff. I can ask you questions about it. 
and I can speak answers to you about it. And all of the thing of revelation is taking something that is already in existence and making it and revealing it, uncovering it so, so you can experience the reality of what I have. That's what Jesus has done. That's what revelation is. Uh, and, and so just because you don't know something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so God wants to, a spirit of revelation is revealing things to you to bring it into your experience so that your experience would match his experience. And so wisdom is the skill and the godly insight in how to apply revelation. It's not enough just to get revelation. You need to know how to apply it. And, and that concept is very key talking about Palm Sunday because the king is coming into Jerusalem, but they didn't see him as a king. The whole city was moved and in this uproar of like, what's going on? This is awesome. People are waving the branches and they're, they're doing all this stuff. And there was a lot of hype and a lot of like excitement, but not a lot of people knew what was really going on. And what was happening is in, if you look down in verse that we just read, the whole city was moved. Verse 10, the whole city was moved. And they said, who is this? So they're all excited. The whole city's moved and they're, they're all sitting there excited, but they're like, who is this? We don't, we don't know who this is. And what they need is revelation knowledge. And then somebody stood up and said, the, the multitude started answering the question. And this is what they said. Well, he's the prophet. He's Jesus, the prophet of, of Nazareth and Galilee. Well, that's not totally incorrect, but it's also incomplete. He's Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. And so as the city's being moved and the king is coming into the city, um, most of the city didn't know who he was. They didn't have revelation knowledge. They had, they had information knowledge. Oh, this is the prophet from Galilee. Okay, this is Jesus. No, this is, this is Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, who is king of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, he is a prophet, but he's much more than that. He's a king. See, when it comes to receiving Jesus and, and his revelation being received into our experience, your perspective, your perception will determine your reception from him. So if you see him as a prophet, you'll receive him as a prophet. But if you see him as a king, by revelation knowledge, you'll receive his kingdom. You'll receive his lordship. And so most of the people didn't see him as a king. And a couple other things I just want to say, and this is just the Lord stirs me up as I, as I read this. And when he went to the two disciples, knowing he was going to be riding in on a donkey, which all of the, the branches and the clothes on the back of the donkey and, and them singing out and, and, and just riding on a donkey in itself in the foal of a donkey, it all speaks to, to a king. It's all symbolism to a king. It's all protocol of a king when a king comes. So there's a lot to that. I'm just going to have to skip today. But the whole, the whole thing is revealing Jesus is the king who's coming to bring his dominion and his authority uh, into the lives of the people that receive him as king and receive his kingdom. He didn't come to overthrow Rome and do a political thing. He came to fulfill his promise of the kingdom. And so, uh, but what he does in order to activate this, if you look back in, in verse two, what he says is, um, 
you know, go and get two disciples and, and there's a donkey tied and the colt with her, loose them and bring them to me. You know what I believe the Lord is doing in revelation knowledge, having, having the wisdom, having the wisdom of God to apply the revelation of God, having the wisdom of God to apply the revelation of God, what God will do in your business, in your family, in all of our lives, in our city, and in our nation, especially in difficult times. He'll give you new strategies. He'll give you new revelation. Sometimes we fall into the rut of just doing the same old things. But there's a cult and a, and a, a donkey and a cult, the foal of a donkey that's never been ridden before. And it's tied up. And it's going to take a disciple to obey the words of Jesus to loose that strategy, loose that kingdom strategy that has never been used before because the Lord has need of it now to release his kingdom. And so I just believe in your life and in all of our lives, the Lord is wanting to loose some things. Have you loosed some things at his word? Have you loosed some things that have never been done in your family before, have never been done in your industry before, have never been done in your business before? And the Lord wants to use you as you listen to his voice. And that's his dominion and his authority. And so the people didn't, the, the majority of the people didn't know who he was. They were hyped up and excited, but they didn't know who he was. And then you look in verse 12, uh, it says, and then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, um, they were indignant, meaning they were extremely angry. And said to him, I'll say these, these leaders said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, and, and I'm going to read it the way I think that he said, well, yeah, do, well, you do, yeah, I hear what they're saying. See, he, Jesus was excited about what they were saying. The church leaders weren't, the, the temple leaders weren't. Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. So, and that's quoting from Psalm chapter eight, which is a, a powerful teaching in and of itself. And, and so what you see when the king comes in town and people start, they start receiving some revelation about who he is. Jesus goes into the temple and he starts turning over the tables. He turns over the tables and he says, listen, this should be a house of prayer. And what he's, what he's basically doing is exercising his dominion. He's not sinning. He's not being a meanie. He's, he's exercising his dominion because his people were not living by revelation knowledge. They were living by traditional knowledge or the selfish knowledge. And they made the house of God into something it was not supposed to be. We're, we're called the house of God, the temple of God. We are, we are the temples of God ourselves. In Christ, if we believe in Christ, we are the temples of God and we should be houses of prayer. And so what Jesus was saying, you have made this, you have made this something I never or my father never intended it to be. And I'm flipping these things over so that people can get healed, 
so that the lame can walk, so that the blind can see, so that a new generation can come in and praise God with sincerity and passion. It's an amazing thing that's happening here. And so what I want to say is if we don't walk in a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of who Christ is, then we will make things like us instead of like him. And we will get in the way. We will limit the Holy One of Israel. And our preference will become more important than his purpose. And we will live and exist unto ourselves, our families, our churches, our businesses. We will be, we will be divided. Instead of a city and churches coming together for his purpose, we will all have our own agenda and we will miss the king's assignment in our life. We'll miss it. So he said, you have made it a den of thieves. Let me just ask you this question. That's a question I ask myself too, but let me just ask it to you. Who's hiding in your house? Who's hiding in the dark places? What thieves of hell's powers of darkness, what thieves are hiding in your house and you're okay with them stealing from you. You're okay with them robbing from you and from your family and from the generations to come. See, if we don't live by revelation knowledge of Christ, the thief can come in. And when the thief comes in, he steals, he kills, he destroys. But the king has come to turn over those tables, not to judge people and be angry at people and say, I hate you. And no, he's coming. He's coming to drive out the thief. He's coming to turn over the tables that the thieves were using to rob from the people. And he's coming to redeem the house of the Lord. So revelation knowledge, this is a perfect picture of revelation knowledge. So there's one more thing I want to show you today in concerning revelation knowledge and how real practical, how you and I can begin to walk in revelation knowledge. Matter of fact, if we do these three simple things, if we do these three simple things that I'm about to share with you, then you and I can walk in the revelation knowledge of God and his experience can be our experience. His reality that it exists, but maybe not, it might not be in our experience, in our, in our perspective. It, it can be a revelation. It can be a revelation that with applied by wisdom becomes a transforming factor in our life. And our life will come up to his reality. So look with me in Matthew, uh, just really just go back. Matthew 11, you know, the scripture, it's a real famous scripture. I know, you know, the scripture, but I just want to break down a couple of things to you. You know, in this time, it seems like, you know, things are tables are being turned over. Stuff is happening. But if we have the eyes to see it, what the Lord is doing, he's not turning over tables because he hates people or, or judges people. Um, and a lot of the anger and a lot of the stuff that's happening is, is really can be caused by the enemy. But what God is doing in the midst of it, God is good. And what he's doing in the midst of it is he's loosing some cults. He's loosing some people that have never been used by him before. There's going to be Davids in this generation raise up. There's going to be Josephs that will raise up. There's going to be Daniels that will be raised up. There will be the unlikely 
the unlikely people that don't have all the degrees and don't have all the experience that the 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 ones that that no one would pick the shepherd boys that become kings because the king chooses a shepherd boy that's the kind of stuff that's going to begin to happen as he looses people for his kingdom and for his power and for his glory no selfish glory and that's how that's how a spirit of wisdom and revelation works we have the wisdom to apply the revelation of our king that actually releases his kingdom. And a city is better for it. A nation is better for it. And so in these difficult times, we need to focus on how can we make sure that we are walking in revelation knowledge. Three things I want to show you, and I'll read the scripture real quick. Matthew 11, um, 28. And actually look at verse 27, because um, it, it's a real key thing. All things have been delivered to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son. And the one to whom the son wills to reveal him, the revelation. So, so the son is wanting to reveal the father to us. So here's what he says, with a heart of wanting to reveal Wanting to bring revelation, he says, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, that means humble, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So this... This three things that we're going to just look at as, as we kind of land this plane here is come to me, come to me, take my yoke and learn from me. Those are the three things. And I've made some notes here because there's a couple things I want to say to you about this. First of all, if we're going to walk in a spirit of wisdom and revelation and we're going to have revelation knowledge of Christ. Remember, remember, Peter had revelation knowledge of Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus had revelation knowledge of, of Christ. Paul had revelation knowledge of Christ. You and I can have revelation knowledge of Christ, but we got to come to him because he is choosing, he is choosing to reveal himself. He's choosing to reveal himself by a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that phrasing, come to, come to me, is very key. And that's the first thing that you, if, if you want to experience all the benefits of walking in, in revelation knowledge of Christ and that, that his reality becomes your reality. And your life is called up, even through adversity, your life is advanced and called up to a higher way of living. Then you have to do this first thing. You've got to come to him. I don't know who you run to. I don't, I don't know who you, hey, difficult times will reveal who you run to and who you trust in. I don't know who or what you run to. I know what I tend to run to. And, and the reality is, he's saying, come to me, come to me. And that phrasing, come to me, in, in the Greek, has an emphatic like now to it. It's not like a passive thing. It's not, oh, come to me when you want to, or come to me when you feel like it, or come to me when you're in trouble. It's an emphatic come to me, like now, now, come to me. 
So he's saying, come to me right now. Time is wasting. Come to me. We need to redeem the time. Come to me. It's, it's a now thing. And so some people, you, you come to God either by choice. You make a choice to come to him. And that choice is saying, I want to come to him. So I make a choice to come to him. Some people will only come to him if it's it's not by choice, but it's by it's by circumstances or situation. It's like it's it's if, if the situation fits or if the circumstance is right, then I'll come to him. So I'm not just making a choice to come to him regardless of what's happening. Some people, their 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 faith is circumstantial, it's situational. And so it's almost like I will come to him if, if I feel like it, or if these circumstances line up, then I'll come to him. And then some don't come to him until the consequences hit them. And those are the people that's like, not I want to come to him, but I have to come to him. And so I don't want to be a person that comes to him because of the consequences are forcing me to. I don't want to be a person that comes to him because the situations and the circumstances that I'm in make it easy for me to come to him. But if it's difficult, then I'm not going to come to him. I don't want to be a person that comes to him if everything lines up. I want to be a person that chooses this day whom I'm going to serve. And for me and my house, come on, man, I'm going to serve the Lord. And I want to make a choice to come to him. You know, you have the power of choice. You choose who you go to. You choose. And what he's saying in this is, is you, you come to me. You choose to come to him every day. And how? How do you come to him? You come to him by going to his word. John 15. If you've never read John chapter 15, read it. But he says, he says um, that if you abide in me and my word abides in you. So you come to him by coming to his word. You come to him by coming to his word and he will reveal himself to you. He's not revealing his word to you. He's using his word to reveal himself to you. Revelation knowledge is not more information about what Jesus did. Revelation knowledge is not more information about the history of what physically happened. Revelation knowledge is revelation knowledge of him. Come to me. Don't just go to your Bible. You can go to the Bible and find lots of stuff other than Jesus. So you come to him by going to the word. Just like Jesus did. It was his custom. Remember Luke chapter four? It was his custom to go into the synagogue, the house of the word, where the word was. And he opened the book. We got to be people that open the book and then we got to be people that can find where it's written so we can say the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me. We got to be people that know how to how to come to God and come to Christ through the word. So we've got to come to him. Jesus found himself in the book in Luke chapter four. And you and I have got to find ourselves in the book. We find him first and then he helps us to, to reveal who he is inside of us. So the second phrase he said was, take my yoke upon you. Now this speaks in that culture, it speaks to uh, an, uh, you know, oxen who are, who are linked into plow fields and do stuff. You know, a, a yoke, you've seen a yoke before where two animals come together in a yoke. It speaks to that because it's an agricultural culture. But the, the yoke also speaks to more than that. The yoke would speak to a bondage and to a slavery. 
And, and the yoke would also speak to a rabbi's doctrine, a rabbi's way of thinking. Meaning you come into agreement with the rabbi, you come into, and Jesus comes as a rabbi who is a king and he's making disciples and he's saying, he's saying, come to me, take my yoke upon you. So what he's saying, take my way of thinking, take my mindset, take my life, yoke yourself with me. And Isaiah, you can read this later, but Isaiah 10, 27 talks about when the, when the Israelites were being oppressed by Assyria, uh, he tells them that he would, that God would break the burden of the Assyrian yoke upon them because the anointing oil, the anointing of God would break the yoke. It would break the yoke of slavery. So when we come to him and we come to him in his word, the next thing we do is we take his yoke. We take his mindset. We take his way of life. We take his doctrine as our doctrine. And what happens is the truth of his word, the truth of who he is, the authority in his word breaks the yoke of what we used to be in bondage to. His yoke will break the yoke of your past. His yoke will break the yoke of addiction. His yoke will break the yoke of lust. His yoke will break the yoke of what may, of what was helping all of us to make his house a den of thieves. His yoke will break the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27, the anointed one, the anointing oil, the anointing of God, the empowerment of God will break the yoke in our life. But we have to be people. We have to be people that come to him, that come to him through his word on a daily basis. And when we come to him, we're taking his yoke. This is what he says about me is truth. I take this. I take it. I take possession of it. It's mine by grace through faith. It's mine. I'm going to follow him. And that's what it says. And you can read Ephesians four and it talks about, you know, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You can look at um, uh, Colossians chapter three and it talks about put off the old way, put off the old man. What that means is put off that, put off the old man that you were yoked to put off the agreement, come out of agreement Come, a yoke can speak to agreement. Come out of agreement with the old man, with who you used to be. Stop seeing yourself through the lens of who you used to be. Now that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that he, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved and you become a new creation. So yoke yourself with Christ. Take the yoke, put off the old man and put on the new man. So when you're facing a temptation, don't look at that the way you used to look at that. Take the yoke of Christ. Look at that from the perspective of Christ in you. And that temptation will suddenly be exposed for what it is, a trap. And you can sit there and say, why would I? I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I used to do that, but I don't want to keep doing that because that's not who I am. That's who I was. But that's not who I am because I've come to him and I've taken his yoke and his yoke broke my old yoke. And now I'm walking as a whole new creation in Christ. And victory can be yours because you walk by revelation knowledge of the yoke of the king. And then he goes on to say, learn from me. And some translations say, learn of me. I believe the proper translation, like New King James said, says, learn from me. Because you can learn of him, and that's not bad, but learning from him is better. Learn from me. And what that means is like, have a hearing heart. Be teachable. 
Present yourself. Come to him in his word. Be ready to take by revelation. Take and seize. Lay hold of his yoke and his way of living. You come into agreement with who he is. Because he is your life. He is your righteousness. He's given you peace. He's given you joy. By grace, through faith, you all his realities you take hold of as your realities. And you don't have to live by performance anymore. That's why he's saying to them, if you are, la- if you are labored and heavy laden, if you're living by this performance and, and, and trying to do all this stuff for God, just he's, he's saying, look, relax. Trust in what I've done for you. I have a word for you. I have a yoke for you. I am here. I've already accomplished it for you. So, so start living your life from where Jesus finished. And on his, at the cross, he, he, he said it is finished, which means you are complete in him. If you put your faith in him, you are complete in him. Now you need to mature in him, but that's simply becoming who he already made you to be. It's maturity. Maturity is simply you becoming who he already made you to be by coming to his word, coming to him through his word, by taking his yoke upon you and by living a lifestyle that says, I want to learn from him. The New Living Translation says in that phrase, let me teach you. Who do you go to to learn? What's the most what's the most inspirational influence in your life? Where do you learn? Where do you learn how to be a husband? Where do you learn how to be a wife? Where do you learn how to be, you know, a, a faithful, you know, student and a faithful son or daughter? Where do you learn how to be a business owner? Where do you learn how to be a pastor? Where, where are you learning how to be you? Where are you learning how to live? Is it from media? Is it from politicians? Where are you learning how to live the life that God has given you. Why don't we come to him? Why don't we take his yoke? And why don't we learn from him? What would happen if our city and our state and our generations saw us doing these three things? The dominion of the king would change the city. There'd be people who would reject him. There'd be people who would still want to crucify him. Because there's always those people who walk in in fear and unbelief. But the goodness of our king, the gospel of our king would spread throughout the city and there'd be unity and there'd be peace in those who call his name. And what we would have is rest. He says, I will give you rest. He says, you will find rest. And those two times he mentions rest there, the first time he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says, he says, uh, when you learn from me, you will find rest for your souls. Those two words for rest are really close, but they're two different Greek words. And Rick Clendenin taught our church family about this, that the first rest is really a rest like just, just chill out, just stop. It's like a physical rest. It's like take a break. It's like sit down and just catch your breath. Stop trying to hustle. Stop trying to do everything for the glory of you. And just chill out so you can take time. You know, stop doing this so you can start doing this. See, the, the beautiful thing of the, the power of a no 
the power of a divine no empowers you for a better yes. So we just need to like stop, stop. And especially right now, many of us are, are, we can't do our normal routines and normal stuff. So just stop, just chill out and start coming to the word. Don't let restlessness keep you from his rest. And then that second phrase um, is, is you will find rest for your souls. That's that inner peace, that tranquility, that inner peace. So anxiety and restlessness is gone. Your life does not have to be defined by restlessness and anxiety. Always feeling like you have to do more. Always feeling like you have to know more. When we choose to walk in a spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of Christ, our king comes into our lives and we come to him. and find rest in him. We take his yoke upon our life and it breaks every other agreement in our life. Every other thing that the enemy is trying to destroy our life with, the yoke of Christ, the, the mind of Christ, the way of living of Christ, it breaks the yoke. And then we live a lifestyle of learning from him. He's the one that teaches us. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that, that says, this is the way, walk in it. And we are led by his voice. And we can be at rest as God is at work. Doesn't mean, we're, doesn't mean we don't join him at work and we don't partner with him. It means he leads the way. He leads the way. I'm telling you, here's what I believe. I know I'm a preacher and I preach at Faith Center, but here's what I believe. I believe God will restore double to you if you would come to him, if you would take his yoke and you would begin to learn from him, if you would stop what you've been doing and start what he wants you to do. I believe he will increase you in, in, in double magnitude. And I believe that 2020 will be a year that God will open doors of supernatural increase and favor beyond anything you or I have experienced before. For his glory in our city, this is what I believe. If you've been watching today and, and you don't know the Lord, maybe you've been to church or maybe you've tried to live a religious life, maybe you've tried to fix your life here or there and but you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Then I just want to give you an opportunity right now, right where you are, because I know God's speaking to you, right where you are, for you to put your faith in Christ, because he's giving you revelation knowledge. He's, he's showing you himself. What's your response going to be? He's inviting you to walk with him. He's inviting you to surrender your life to him. And, our, and to make a decision to follow Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth through prayer that God raised Jesus, the Lord Jesus and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved.
Many of you watching me have already done that. Thank you, Jesus. But maybe today is a day of your salvation. And if that's you, if that's you, then right there on Facebook, I want you to take a step. When, when we're at church and we're meeting publicly, we don't tell everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. And, and maybe we probably should. I don't know. But that's not what the Lord has led us to do. Um, we have people publicly get up and walk down to the front as the church is singing and praising. And we celebrate their decision of faith to publicly surrender their life to Jesus to say, I decide, I have decided to follow him. He died for you publicly. And what I tell the church family in that room, I know it's scary to get up in front of everybody and walk down an aisle and everyone's looking. I know it's scary, but week after week after week, many people um, have, have walked that aisle in humility and with tears and with boldness and with courage, and they have surrendered their life to Christ. And I tell them, if you can break the chain of fear of what everybody else thinks in that room, you can break it in any room. So today, if that's you and you know today's the day that you need to surrender your life to Christ, I'm not talking to the Christian who you know you have a relationship with him, but you've struggled and stumbled and fumbled. You go spend time with the Lord, confess your sin. He'll bring cleansing and healing to you. I'm talking to the person that you know you've been running in your own direction and you've never surrendered your life to him. If that's you today and you're saying, Pastor, that's me and that's what I want to do. On comments on Facebook, I want you to write this. I want you to write now. If that's you, I want you to say, I have decided. Really, I have decided to follow Jesus. Just put that in there and everyone who's watching will be praying for you. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I don't care where you're at watching. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to open your heart before the Lord and say this to him. Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe you love me and you sent him to die in my place. And I believe on the third day, he rose from the grave. I believe his death is my death. His burial is my burial. And his resurrection is my resurrection. So today, I turn from my old life. Say that to him. I turn from my old life, my successes and my failures. And I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Redeem my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use the rest of my life for your glory. I come to you. I take your yoke. And I will learn from you. Thank you for saving me in Jesus name. If you just prayed that, you need to write, I have decided to follow Jesus and let the church family and everyone watching will continue to pray for you. And then watch tonight at 7 p.m. Watch on Monday, the 10 at 10, and we'll lead you through more stuff. Get in the Bible. Start reading the Gospel of John. Start chasing Jesus. Come to, come to him. Take his yoke as you, as you learn about it. Take his yoke in your life. 
and live a lifestyle of learning from him. And the king, the king and his glory will fill your life. So I thank you so much for being with us today. I think that's enough preaching for now. Um, time for me to go get some grub. So uh, I, hopefully Sarah's going to make me a big old egg sandwich or something like that. So um, we love you. We miss you. And we just, I want to pray over you as we close out today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the souls that have just made a decision to follow you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are our king. And you empower us with revelation knowledge. And you are transforming us and redeeming us, God. And Father, we pray over our families, over our churches, over our cities, over our state, over our nation, over our world. And in the name of Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, we rebuke the coronavirus. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. And we release the healing power of God on every person who is sick right now. Lord, let them have a quick and immediate recovery, God. Raise them up, God. Raise them up. Give them strength. Give hope to all the workers, strength to all the leaders. And Father, we thank you that this just stops, that this just stops. The confusion stops. The chaos stops. The fear stops. We want to walk in wisdom. Them, but the chaos and fear stops, God. Help your church rise up, not being dishonorable, but rising up in faith to be a house of prayer so that your people are healed. Redeem the time. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Go build the kingdom.